In this episode, I'm going to share another draft chapter from the book that I've been writing this year. This chapter is about identifying your audacious goals. If you want to read the chapter, you can go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. This is issue 371, but this is about translating your vision and mission into something more tangible that you can pursue to make it come true. This is Invincible Career, and I'm Larry Cornette. She hadn't felt motivated at work in a very long time. The initial spark was gone. The honeymoon period was over. Now, work was just work. She needed the money, so she kept showing up, of course. But every day left her feeling empty and drained. She struggled to get out of bed in the morning. What was the point? She asked herself, is this all there is to life? Now, some people are lucky enough to find meaning in their jobs. Some have intentionally created an invincible career to shape their path, to only work for companies with a mission that inspires them. So they feel like their role has purpose. But most people have jobs that are a means to an end. It pays the bills. But that doesn't mean that you have no choice but to live an uninspired life. You can take control and create meaning that inspires and motivates you every day, even if your 9-to-5 job does not. When you design an invincible life, you get to inspire yourself. It's too risky to leave the inspiration motivation to chase your wildest dreams in the hands of someone else. Sooner or later, they will let you down. Except for your mother. No one cares about your life and career as much as you do. You will always be with you on this life journey. You can always count on yourself. So don't sit back and wait for someone else to inspire you with their big goals. Create your own audacious goals. Inspire yourself. And keep building the invincible you. There's a quote from Steve Jobs in his commencement speech at Stanford. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. So no matter what it is you want to accomplish, and before you can create a plan to go after it, you have to know where you are going. Before you can create a strategy to get there, you have to know what you want and why. So what is your why? Simon Sinek, there's a quote from his book, Find Your Why, a Practical Guide for Discovering Purpose for You and Your Team. There are two ways to build a career or a business. We can go through life hunting and pecking, looking for opportunities or customers, hoping that something connects. Or we can go through life with intention, knowing what our peace looks like, knowing our why, and going straight 
to the places we fit. You created your vision of the future in chapter four. So if you heard that episode or if you read it, you can go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com and look it up. You also created what your mission is that will make that vision come true. This led to a definition of your purpose in life, how you will follow your mission to make your vision of the world come true. Your purpose is larger and more significant than any temporary project. It's also more meaningful and personal than the work most of us perform in our nine to five jobs. I know that was true for me. More importantly, your purpose belongs to you and gives your life meaning that you own and control. It is your why. That larger sense of purpose is what will inspire you every day. And inspiration occurs when you feel compelled to act because you're drawn to that vision you want to make come true. Inspiration transcends the self and will make you feel more positive about life. Research has found that inspired people have greater optimism, well-being, creativity, and energy. Another quote from Steve Jobs, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking and don't settle. Inspiration also creates feelings of enthusiasm, excitement, and hope. And don't we all need hope? Hope for a better tomorrow. Hope for a better world. Hope that our lives matter. Whatever it is that you've defined as your purpose, make sure it is large and meaningful. Your why should be significant enough to inspire you for the rest of your life. Final quote from Simon Sinek, happiness comes from what we do. Fulfillment comes from why we do it. So I want to talk a little bit about the psychology of inspiration. I actually created a course on this. It's kind of interesting. And even though something like inspiration feels too abstract to be scientifically studied, Professors Todd Thrash and Andrew Elliott created a model of inspiration as a psychological construct. They conceptualized it as having three core characteristics. Number one, transcendence. Number two, evocation. And three, approach motivation. They also proposed that inspiration reflects the combination of two processes. One, being inspired by something, for example, recognizing the intrinsic value of an inspiring vision of how the world could be. And two, being inspired to do something, for example, joining a mission to make that inspiring vision come true. But first, let's talk about transcendence. It's one of the essential characteristics of your vision that will help you feel inspired by it. A feeling of transcendence is about gaining an awareness of better possibilities. This is what people mean when they talk about having a flash of insight or when a vivid image of a better future pops into their heads. Next, I want to explain what Thrash and Elliot mean by evocation. It's the other essential characteristic of your purpose that ensures that you will be inspired by it. It refers to the fact that Inspiration is experienced as evoked by an outside influence. 
It's what happens when your vision feels larger than yourself. Your grand vision should be larger than some immediate need. I want a new car or a shallow ambition. I want to be rich. What change do you want to see in the world? How do you want to improve the lives of others? To be inspired, you must evoke a vision of a meaningful goal that is significant and may even require a lifetime to pursue. That may sound intimidating, but having a purpose that you pursue for the rest of your life will give your life meaning. It's what keeps people going. A lack of purpose is what makes many people give up. It's also why those who take early retirement, like a full retirement, it's why they don't live as long as folks who have a reason to get out of bed every day. A sense of purpose keeps people going. Finally, approach motivation compels you to actually do something. (laughs) To do something versus simply being inspired by your vision. You hope to persuade yourself to take action. Otherwise, what's the point? You don't want your vision and mission to remain nothing more than a warm and fuzzy dream. You want to create a vision of the desired end state and evoke a feeling of significance and then activate and direct your behavior toward the possibilities you've described. When you succeed at doing this, you'll feel compelled to make your new idea or vision come true. So take a moment to review your vision, mission, and purpose from chapter four within the context of this psychological framework. Ask yourself these questions. Does my vision paint a vivid picture of a desirable future? Is the mission significant enough to feel meaningful? Have I described a compelling purpose that drives me to make it come true? Inspiration helps you plant a flag on the horizon. It represents the big picture of who you want to help, what problem you want to solve, and who you want to become. This is about building the invincible you. Who do you want to become? It gives you a target, which lets you start defining goals that describe successful progress and achievements on your journey to that flag. So now it's time to translate your vision, mission, and purpose into tangible and realistic goals. You can think of your goals as kind of a sliding target window with the far end in the distant future of what you ultimately want to achieve and the near end focused crisply on the here and now. Your near-term goals help you define your daily habits, tasks, and activities. I'm going to talk about that in a later chapter of the book. What do you need to be doing to achieve them? Your longer-term goals are the ones that will inspire and motivate you to pursue bigger and better things in your life. So let's talk about those long-term goals. So I'm going to make a wild guess that you have a life goal that you would love to achieve but you've been putting off the work to make it happen. I think we all have experienced that. So why do we do that? Why do we put our most important goals on the back burner? 
I mean, I think it happens for a few reasons. We're busy with the demands of our daily lives. There are people who need something from us every day. Lots of demands on our time. We can't let our work tasks slide if we want to keep our jobs. And significant personal goals feel overwhelming. We know we want to achieve them, but we don't even know where to begin. Personal goals that are important for us don't have the same urgency as the goals for our job, for example. We want to work on it, but we feel like we don't have to work. We don't have to work on it right now. We'll get around to it someday. It's always someday. And I get it. It's easy to get caught up in your nine to five job. I did it too for many, many years. We often set goals and engage in planning exercises for our employer's benefit. And even though I run my own business now, I still spend a lot of time working in my business, but not on my business. But this exercise is about setting goals for you. This isn't for your employer. I want to help you dream, grow, and set yourself up for success. Your goals are an intentional investment in your future. So why am I asking you to think about your goals for the next few years? Why bother with documenting them now? Why pull them out of your head? Well, because we often keep these long-term life goals bottled up inside and we do nothing about them. But research has found that simply writing down your goals and committing to them already increases the likelihood of success. Accountability is also an incredibly powerful psychological tool. And it's even more so when we feel accountable to other people. I think I've shared this before. The Association for Talent Development performed a study on accountability and found the following probabilities of accomplishing a goal. So 10% if you have a goal in mind, not so great. 25% if you consciously decide that you will achieve it. You commit to it in your mind. 40% if you set a date by which you will achieve it. So that's the point of this whole chapter of documenting your goals and putting them on a timeline. It rises to 50% if you create a plan for how you're going to do it. And I'm going to talk about that in an upcoming chapter. 65% if you make a promise to someone else that you will do it. That's why I created my career community. There's a link to join my community if you're interested. So you can go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. It's a private community of ambitious professionals like yourself. And we support each other. We help hold each other accountable. It's like, have you done this? Why haven't you done this yet? And uh, help each other achieve these goals. So that's why it goes up to 65%. And then finally, 95%, which is huge, huge jump. When you make specific accountability appointments with a person, with an individual, which is probably why the one-on-one coaching that I do works so well. It's like people know We're going to talk about their goals and what they've been working on every week. So what is your most audacious goal? You can whisper it in my ear if you prefer. You can send me a message. I'm pretty easy to find. Have you ever talked about it out loud? 
Have you ever said it out loud? Here's an exercise that can help you envision that future. Play around with this. Try to fill in the blank in this statement. I wish I could get paid to do X every day. So what is your X? For example, I wish I could get paid to write every day. Some people say, I wish I could get paid to create art every day. I wish I could get paid to think about business strategy every day. I just want to do business strategy. I wish I could get paid to bake every day. I know some folks that said that. I wish I could get paid to coach every day. Hello, that's what I do. And I love it. So then expand on that sentence and create the long-term goal that would make it possible. What needs to happen for that statement to come true? Here are some examples from a few of my friends. One wants to become a New York Times best-selling author who makes a living as a writer. She knows this process will take several years, especially since she currently has a job. She already has a different full-time job. But when she achieves that goal, that sentence will come true. She will get paid to write every day. Another friend wants to be the CEO of a successful biotech company. And he knows this won't happen overnight. And he estimates he'll probably take 10 to 15 years to get there. But when he succeeds at that goal, he will indeed get paid to think about business strategy every day. And then finally, another friend wants to leave the corporate world eventually, become a professional chef, and open an award-winning restaurant. When she achieves her most ambitious goal, she will get paid to cook and bake every day. So now it's your turn. What do you want to achieve within the next 10 years? And sometimes your long-term goals will be so audacious that you know you may never reach them. If your biggest goal is to end world hunger, you may never see that come true completely. But those audacious goals serve the purpose of inspiring you while you do achieve the near-term goals along the way. However, if you do find yourself performing beyond your wildest dreams and hitting those long-term targets, it's, it's no big deal. It's just time to adjust that sliding target window that I talked about and set your sights on something even more audacious. Now, as you may have already discovered, achieving goals can sometimes feel like a letdown afterward. You get a sense of, okay, now what? I was just reading about an author who talked about this feeling when she published her book. She was so excited and leading up to the big day of the book launch and it was a thrilling 24 to 48 hours and then it kind of was a letdown. It's like, oh, okay, now what? What do I do now? What's my big goal? However, life is about the journey and the striving. We love the thrill of the chase. We do. So set a new long-term goal, if necessary, and refuel your inspiration engine. Now, word of caution. Some people do go a little too crazy with their long-term goals. They have a list of dozens of wild things they want to accomplish. For example, they might say, I want to become a billionaire, walk on the moon, cure cancer, write five bestsellers, play guitar in a rock band and tour the world, and then star in a Hollywood movie about my life. Yeah, okay, Richard Branson. Good luck with that. 
Instead, I encourage you to select a single goal, one audacious goal to place at the top of your list. If you must, list a few related secondary goals, but they are secondary. However, what I've found is the people who achieve the most are those with a singular vision, mission, and goal. They put all of their energy behind that purpose. So resist the urge to spread yourself too thin. So what is your highest, highest priority, long-term goal? What is that? Think about it. Write it down. Do you feel ready to pursue it? Can you do it now? Can you start going after it? Are you committed to making it happen? Think about that. If you're not, why not? Then list any of your secondary, maybe somewhat related long-term goals. Now note a fuzzy goal, and there are many times people create fuzzy goals. That will make it harder to create a strategy and plan later, which we're going to talk about in later chapters of the book. For example, if your goal is to become one of the greatest authors of all time, what does that mean? What does greatest mean? Greatest in terms of what? The total number of books you publish? The number of bestsellers you've written? The awards you win? How much influence your work has on other writers? How much you've earned from your books? Is it about the money? As you might imagine, your strategy and plan would be different for making the most money from your books versus winning the most awards. So be as clear and specific as possible with your goals. Quantitative goals are the easiest to measure, of course. But in some cases, it will be hard to pin down a qualitative assessment. You know, maybe you say, I want to feel fulfilled. And that's going to be hard to put a quantitative measure on, but it's still important. So even with the qualitative success measures, do your best to describe how you will know when you've achieved that goal, because that's important. You don't want to feel like you're almost always there, but not sure because you really don't know what success looks like. So what does success specifically look like for your primary goal? How will you measure it? How will you measure success? And how will you know when you've achieved your goal? Now let's move on and talk about midterm goals. So working backward from your long-term goal, what do you need to accomplish over the next three to five years to make steady progress? Think of these midterm goals as the stepping stones on the path to your long-term vision. You don't leap to your long-term vision in one big step. So what midterm goals will set you up for success later? In chapter five of the book, you identified the gap between where you are today and where you want to be. So some of your goals may be focused on what it will take to close that gap. This could include acquiring new skills, knowledge, experience, and connections. Good old networking. For example, if my friend wants to become a CEO in 10 years, he will need to establish a track record as a successful executive first. No one is promoted straight from individual contributor to CEO in a company. So his midterm goals might look like this. In two years, get promoted from management to director. 
three to four years, get promoted to senior director. In five years, land a role as vice president. Either get promoted or go to a new company if you have to. In seven years, move up to become a senior vice president. Eight to nine years, reach EVP, executive vice president. And then by year 10, start working with an executive headhunter to start connecting with companies looking for a CEO. However, on a personal note, I hope the goals you have in mind aren't tied to a job title like this. Even though I've shared this as an example, I hope you won't, I hope you won't pursue something like this. I've talked about this problem before. Reaching a specific level in your career isn't that meaningful or inspirational. It also leaves you a bit vulnerable. And I talked a lot about vulnerabilities. Because that decision to promote you lies in the hands of someone else. The hands of the other C-level executives. The hands of the board. Now, founding and becoming the CEO of a company that is solving a meaningful problem in the world is quite different. You know, if the company that you're going to create is researching a cure for cancer, then becoming the CEO is a means to an end. You're trying to do something really important. Writing and publishing a book could change people's, that could change people's lives can give you a real sense of purpose versus just writing a book to try to make some money. So it's about a significant goal that will make something that will make things better in the world. So what are the three biggest goals you want to achieve over the next three to five years? Consider how these goals will pave the way for success for your primary long-term goal. They should be related. They should be on the path to get there. What does success look like for each of those goals and how will you measure success? Let's talk about this year, the goals that you have for this year. So pull your goal setting window in and focus on the next 12 months. This is an exercise I do every January with my premium newsletter subscribers. If you're interested in what that means and how that works, you can go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com and check out subscriptions. We identify their goals for the year and then we work on strategies and map out plans to achieve them. And I enjoy this exercise because it feels more pragmatic, realistic, and achievable than the long-term goals. I mean, those larger goals are just too big and complex to jump right in and tackle. So you have to break them down into a series of sub-goals and steps you need to build up to achieve them. And then map those sub-goals into the months of the year. Some of your sub-goals and tasks can move forward in parallel, but some must be sequenced. Some have to be finished before the next one can take off. And here are some examples of annual goals that I've heard in the past from clients and from members of my community. One was about getting promoted into management to start down the path to eventually becoming an executive. That's the long-term goal. But they wanted to work on getting promoted into management this year. Another was about landing a better job that will help them advance their professional development. All the things they want to do to continue down the path to get to their long-term goal. Another one's like, I'm going to move to a new city. 
moving to the city would set them up for a more significant career move later. So it's like playing a game of chess, right? You're setting things up. Another one is write a book, write this book, write a book this year, and then eventually get it published. And that puts them on the path to their big goal of making a living as a writer. Another person was going to pursue a degree, a new degree that was going to help them with a significant career change later. Another person was, again, playing a little bit of a game of chess, learning a new language and then traveling to the country where they want to eventually relocate and retire and spend the rest of their life. Another person wanted to learn how to cook professionally. And that was going to prepare them for a career pivot into becoming a restaurateur. And then finally, one wanted to create and teach a workshop that is going to start on that path of paving the way to launching a new business that would eventually let them quit their nine to five job and just go all in. So for example, if your goal was that last bullet to teach a workshop, you'd have to break that down to a series of goals and sub goals for each month to prepare for that event. For example, in January, you would say, what is the purpose of this workshop? February, your goal would be to interview representative ideal customers to understand what they need. March, your goal might be to book a physical venue for the workshop. In April, you'd create the schedule and the outline for the workshop. And then May, start developing your workshop content, etc., etc. You kind of get the point. So in Chapter 5, you also identify blockers and barriers standing between you and your long-term goals. And they might be holding you back from pursuing your vision. So some of your goals this year may need to be focused on eliminating those barriers before you can make progress. Take a moment and map them into the months ahead. As I recommended, try to find an accountability partner or join a community. Check out my community. Doing this, having this accountability will improve your odds of success this year. And then finally, pulling it in more, thinking about the goals for the next quarter. Monthly goals for the year can seem a little high level. So think about the next three months. What do you want to focus on during the upcoming quarter? What are the sub goals you want to achieve? And I know this starts to feel a bit like a planning exercise. <laughs> Less, is this still goal setting? Uh, it's not planning yet. I'm going to talk about that in a later chapter. The, the big distinction is we're still talking about the what of what you want to achieve. This is simply saying, what do you want to do for the year? What do you want to do each month? What's the goal? Not how. This isn't talking about the how of what you will actually do to accomplish those goals. That's project planning, and we'll get into that later. For now, simply document your sub-goals so you have them ready for that later planning effort. And then finally, focus on the upcoming month. What do you want to do for the next 30 days? You can break those sub-goals for the month into weekly goals. What do you need to accomplish every week to stay on track for the quarter and eventually the entire year, right? And I know all of this goal setting may feel a bit overwhelming, but it gets easier. It feels more natural the more you work on it and it builds on itself. You might also wonder why I'm asking you to break your large, exciting, audacious goal down into smaller goals and even smaller sub-goals. 
And I recommend this approach because most people never achieve their dreams. They never accomplish the most significant goals they want for their lives. They lead lives of quiet desperation, as Thoreau said. Some people give up before they even get started. They let their goals float around their heads as wishful dreams, and they never commit to them at all. Or they talk about, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but they never do it. They never even get started. Other people kind of make this opposite (laughs) mistake. They leap into the task that they think will take them straight to that audacious end state. But that's like trying to scale the peak of Mount Everest with no strategy, planning, training, guides, or base camps along the way. They set themselves up for failure by trying to do it all at once. Instead, I want you to succeed. That's why I'm writing this book. I've watched so many people fail. I've failed. And then I've watched people succeed. And I know what it's taken for me to have some success. I want you to achieve your biggest dreams. So that's why this goal-setting chapter went into so much detail. Now, a goal without a plan is simply a dream. It's wishful thinking. If you don't develop a strategy for achieving your goals, it'll never be more than that. So we're going to dive into that phase in the next chapter. It should be coming out in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to sharing more of the book with you this year. If you want to keep hearing it, subscribe to this podcast. You can learn more about my podcast. If you go to InvincibleCareer.com, I have a podcast tab. It's where you can choose your favorite player, subscribe. If you could leave me a rating review, I'd love it. I always appreciate that. If you want to read the book chapter instead of just listening to it, go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com and you can become a subscriber and check it out. So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, Leave me some feedback. I'd appreciate hearing from you. Thanks. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an opportunity magnet for the best things in life.